Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to be with you. And the show today brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. The Purdy's have served this valley for decades. And I don't use the word serve lightly. Uh, They work very hard for their customers. They'll go the extra mile to find the right insurance. That way you're covered. They'll go the extra mile to find the best price. That way you're not economically damaged by the purchase. And if something happens, the Purdy's make sure that you know why insurance is just that. It's insurance. They'll go to work right away and get it taken care of. And if if your insurance comp- company needs to give you some money, they'll make sure you get the maximum. That is Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in beautiful downtown Hummel's Wharf. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Again, seven match, seven out. Three sets to love, six three, six one, six four. It's another one for the ageless wonder. Federal, the incomparable champion of Wimbledon for an eighth time. And Silver every second of this. Well, absolutely in the argument of greatest of all time, Roger Federer, 19th overall Grand Slam title, 8th Wimbledon uh, title, the amazing Roger Federer, courtesy of ESPN Chris Fowler on the call yesterday from the Big W. All right, uh, Penn State getting ready for the season opener. Now less than seven weeks away. We are counting down. 47 days now to the opener with Akron at Beaver Stadium. 47 days. A little bit better than six and a half weeks. And we're back in football mode again. Uh, Frank Podany, always outstanding work at the York Daily Record. Frank, welcome. Great to have you with us. And now we're at that time. Is this about the time we start to take a good, hard look at, at the football team now we got Live for Life over with and so forth? Um, well, you know, I was up at uh, Hershey yesterday for the um, the players meeting with the kids at the, at the children's hospital. So, you, you know, the whole team was there. And you don't really – you only get to talk to a few guys really interview-wise, but you get to see everybody. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds you when you see everybody in one room, I think some of the um, players you don't really think about, especially some of the younger kids, and I think it reminds you of Penn State's depth is really and ability and talent's really coming back. Like there was a kid who big personality, KJ Hamler, who's a freshman this year, 
not sure if he'll play or not, but I think what his nickname is the human joystick. Yeah. Um, so he, and he was a very vibrant personality yesterday at the hospital. So it makes you think about what kind of kids are going to be making that impact this season it, that aren't even fully on your radar because I think Penn State has that kind of talent now that they didn't have the last few years. Kids you don't even know about that could really pop help this team. So that's kind of some of the you know who are those who are those big impact guys you maybe you're not even thinking about yet. Uh, Sunday, July 23rd will be the fifth anniversary of the sanctions handed down by the NCAA. You've watched this play out every day since that five years. Can you put into words the kind of comeback this program has made to get itself back to this position? Wow. I mean, I remember listening to the sanctions coming down and kind of having a hard time figuring out what it all meant. I mean, moving forward, you knew what it meant right away, but what the heck does this mean a year or five years from now? And then analysts telling me that night that they're going to be, could be 10 years or more before they come back from this. Right. No one had ever done it. So, no, you know, they're just all guessing, but it shows you what. You know, when people are pushed against a wall, they come together what they can do. And I think the players and probably the staff found out more about themselves than they knew. Um, and I think that had an impact beyond that year. I think, you know, Penn State always talked about certain guys that they want to have come there that are Penn State football players. But I think it defined that time, defined even more who they want, who has to be the type of guy to come here and stay here. And I think it. Um, it went beyond anything you could think of. I mean, with and I don't, you know what, Steve? I don't think people and James Franklin talks about. I don't, don't don't think people still appreciate what kind of situation they were in for the next couple of years. Right? Do you know what I mean? Because they had enough marquee athletes and they won enough games, they didn't realize, still don't realize how bad, how tough it was with the depth and the inexperience and. You know, I guess it's just you find that you don't know about yourself until you're pushed to try to find out about yourself sometimes. Right, and that's that's very true, Frank. And I think also for James Franklin and his staff, what it showed me, especially in the first two years, was a the ability to recruit, obviously, and and, and start re, rebuilding the depth, but also some of the decisions they had to make. Shifting a center to a, a tackle, a tackle flip to the others. I mean, all the they had to come up with some clever solutions, which showed me a lot more about coaching chops than people would, I think, even give them credit for, because they had to come up with creative solutions during the first couple of years. Well, yeah, and then when things were not maybe working out as well as they wanted, first big crisis situation proving point for James in a way was when he had to hire three new assistants yep. before last year. Who do you hire? How do you do it? How do they fit in? And I mean, it seems like he made great choices because those people came in and just continued, if not elevated, the recovery, it seemed like, coaching-wise. I mean, how do like what you said, how do you switch all those offensive linemen last year with injuries yeah. and be successful no matter what offense you're running like they did? Yeah, I thought that would be the downfall – of the team halfway through the season because how many offensive linemen can you withstand losing when they're not all that experienced to begin with? 
but right. and they overachieved did, yeah. in that category in a way. And they did, no question. And with two new coordinators, it's one thing, and I know, and I know Joe Moorhead had done this at, at, and called his plays at Fordham, uh, but when you do it at this level, it's like anything. It, it it probably felt at times for he and Brent like the game was going maybe 80 miles an hour and probably now feels like it's going 20 miles an hour to them. What kind of difference can that make for them as second-season coordinators? Oh, I would think because of the connection with their players. Their players had such yeah. a, I would think, such a learning curve just with the new ways of doing things, but then you had so many young players who would have had a big learning curve no matter what they were doing. Yeah, you know, and all, and then you throw in all the injuries, and it didn't look like you never got a sense that anyone panicked. And I think that goes back to the coaching staff. So I'm thinking they're way ahead of where they were last year. So I, you think that obviously defensively their best days are ahead of them. Um, because of such the adjustment last year and then losing all their linebackers and everything. And then offensively, I think it's going to be just the ability to do things a little, just switch things a little different. I don't think they're going to need all the home run balls this year, so they just tweak how they're doing things and then have more options and have a better offensive line. And that just makes things smoother to begin with, no matter – what year you are in your offense, right? I mean, for the first time, this Penn State offensive line, I think, is going to be a maybe even a, a little bit of a force from day one. The are there a couple of players that you're looking at that you've thought, you know, if they get a little bit better, boy, they could really make this team better. Who would fall into that category? Well, let me tell you. Um, Jason Cabinda is really solid player. I'm interested to see what kind of is there a next step for him. I mean, he's really good no matter what. Can he be a star? Yeah. Um, Koa Farmer is another guy. Guys like him, super athletic. We see glimpses. So many guys on defense too, like Koa Farmer, where we've seen glimpses, not quite there yet. If they take that next step or so, all of a sudden the defense could be really different. I think more attacking, I think creating more turnovers because they're more sure of themselves and what they're doing. You know, being just a tad hesitant, you know, you're always trying to figure out what, where am I supposed to be? You know, you can't, how much can you attack all the time? Guys, so Cam Brown's another one. I mean, we've heard everybody talk about guys like him. We've seen him play, but he couldn't have been comfortable. So, can guys like th- those guys on defense, especially to me, that's from look at mean, Brandon Pope's a guy on offense who will be back. Yep. Who you've heard a lot about, but he didn't play really much of any last year. What kind of impact? Penn State still hasn't had a wide receiver like that. I think that's excelled. We've heard, we've heard about a lot of guys that they want to play in the slot that want to be like, get the ball seven yards down the field. It turns into 50 yards, mm-hmm. but smaller, faster guy, but let's see, you know, something maybe somebody like him will actually bring that to fruition here. Uh, it's interesting because uh, I'm one of those that ends up voting for the all Big Ten teams, and so something we have to do is we have to do a, a preseason list, uh, five in each uh Division, and I, you know, and I, I'm not going to say who I who I voted for, but something mm-hmm. really stuck out to me in going through these lists. This league doesn't have a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, it, it, 
I mean, Trace McSorley really is, in a lot of ways, the best quarterback in this league. This is not a league with great quarterback depth. No, JT Barrett, I think, will make a comeback this year. Uh, I think he'll be really good. Oh, but you're I think, right. I think and Barrett's I think, very good. Yeah. But last year, it was almost, it ended up being a little bit like that, even last year. Yep. Um, and not, and certainly not proven quarterback. So you think somebody's going to surprise that we don't even have on the radar quarterback wise. I mean, I'd be interested the quarterback from Northwestern, kind of, he takes the, you know, how much he improves. I think he's yeah. got potential. But you're right. I think it's, I mean, Trace has earned everything he's gotten, but you're right. I mean, you think in, in the Big Ten there would be more more big, maybe big-armed, big, you know, returning guys that are pro prospects, but um, – and yeah. Trace is another guy. What, what's his next step? Right. You, you know, running this offense. I mean, we've seen what he can do in certain ways, but he's going to probably have to make different decisions. He's going to have different receivers this year. And I think everybody's waiting to see a little bit. Well, not that it was a fluke, but can he can he duplicate that type of production? I, w- I would say, Frank, the next step for him moving forward is keep doing what he's doing, but get get closer to the sixty percent range in completions. That that, yeah. would, that would be that would be something statistically I'd, I'd put down saying, okay, if he you know it, that to me is a step forward when I see that. Well, maybe the mid-range passing game will be yes. more of an option regularly, right. so that that'll help him with that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Good point, Frank. All right. Well, enjoy the ice cream. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> hey, I look forward to seeing you guys soon too. Right? Yeah, same here. You'll be here before you know it. Enjoy every second I'm around you, Frank. Thanks so much. Appreciate All right. it, my Take friend. Take care. Yep. You too. Frank Podani, York Daily Record. We'll come back with more in a moment. We'll talk a little golf in the final half hour as well as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Thanks to Frank Podani for being on the show today. Jessica Marksbury is going to join us from. Golf.com in the final half hour. Uh, and I uh, look forward to talking to her about several things there. And uh, tomorrow, John Bacon's going to join us. As I mentioned to Frank, uh, five, it'll be uh, Sunday will mark five years since the sanctions came down. John has been on this show, boy, how many times have we had John on this show? And John has been very, very blunt in uh, his assessment of how things have happened here. And he was also embedded at times with the program in 2012 because he wanted to write this book. The book, by the way, fourth and long, The Fight for the Soul of College Football, uh, he concentrated that book on Ohio State, Northwestern, Michigan, and Penn State. Well, of course, at Penn State, it turned out to be the gold mine part of the book because of everything that happened here. His new book is coming up next month. It is on the life and times of the late John Saunders of ESPN. So I want to get into that. I believe the book 
is going to be released August 10th. So John will be on the show coming up on Tuesday, tomorrow. Tony Knopp, the CEO of Spotlight Ticket Management, is going to join us on the show Thursday. Then the writer for Forbes, who put together the list of the top 50, or actually it's 51 because there's a tie, uh, Kurt uh, Badenhausen, sports business writer for Forbes. I just heard back from Kurt. Uh, we're going to lock him in at 3.35 on Thursday. So. Yeah, he's going to join us on Thursday for that. So we'll have he and Tony back-to-back yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. Taking care of business on Thursday. Yeah, but, I mean, he's the sports business writer for Forbes. I mean, how am I going to talk to this guy? <laughs> I mean, I'm with over all here. All these using... chats you've had with Tony under your belt, you'll no problem. I, I've got I, complete faith in you. I use simple words. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to talk to an expert from MIT. I have no <laughs> shot here. <laughs> Do I have a football team? <laughs> MIT depth chart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, their wide receivers number is three point one four. Three point one four yards a carry. <laughs> the names of the back of the jersey: Pi. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's a Columbia graduate. I, I just I, I feel like we're getting guests I've no shot with intellectually. I mean, it's, it's hanging on. <laughs> I'm hanging on. Yeah, we'll wrap up our golf talk for sure. Uh, got back in touch with our our connection at uh, Golf Channel uh, before they uh, left on a jet plane for England. So still shooting for Brandel Chambly and Gary Williams for Morning Drive. Very nice. Yes, we've got, either tomorrow we've, or Thursday, hopefully. So we've got we've got room. We do, and we've got room. We'll make room. We will. Yeah. So there you go. I know you've been looking forward to that. Uh, actually, I have. I really have, and uh, be a lot of fun to talk with them. But think about this. Let's let's maybe let's get back to. And this is this is something we. I mean. We need to talk about it. another name. Yeah. We're, another name we're kicking around too uh, for morning drive. Uh, Damon Hack also could be a uh, Damon Hack's really good. Yep. So we got him in the loop too for you. So really could really be good. one of those three. So. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but five years since the sanctions came down. Now to sit here and to debate. I've gone over this so many times about. How it came down? What I mean, I'll be honest with you. About oh, three weeks, maybe before. Any time three weeks before, I would have told you, "There's no way they're not going to sanction Penn State. They, they didn't break any rules, right? Nothing." Well, then suddenly I started hearing 
ooh, about three weeks before, uh, this isn't good. What do you mean this isn't good? Uh, and, I mean, there's an effort to, to really go after them. I thought, I said, what are you talking about? I said, don't you have to break rules to do that? I thought this was a, a criminal investigation. Okay. Well, five years ago on Sunday, it all came down. And the primary focus of what I want to discuss is how the program was able to survive, hang in there, and then fight its way back. So I'll talk to John about that tomorrow. Because the conversation we're having this summer about Penn State football is completely different than the conversations I have with all of you in the summer of 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Best in the business when it comes to insurance and the best in the business when it comes to customer service. They'll find you the right insurance, and believe me, they have access to every avenue you can think of. And they'll also find you the best price. That way you're insured, and it also fits your budget. If there's a claim, they jump right in as if it happened to them. That's because they are your partner in all of this. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I am in the Sunbury Motors studio. Thanks uh, again to, again, the best in the business, Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for our sports bozo of the day. But it's not really, this is not a sports bozo, I want to point out. Hey, guess who got banned in China? Did you see this? I'll give you two guesses. I, I, I did hear about this, yes. It's nothing really. It's not really sports related. No, it's not. But no. still, it's bozo it, of the day. But it's very. It's a big surprise to me. I didn't expect it. Winnie the Pooh has been blocked, censored, in China. <laughs> That's right. Pooh, Pooh Bear. Uh, why? Well, the leader of China. Xi Jinping has been compared to Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> uh, and there's also a cartoon where Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe is shaking hands with Xi Jinping. And it's been described as one of the more awkward handshakes in the history of the world. And the cartoon 
was Winnie the Pooh shake, shaking the hand of Eeyore. <laughs> okay. So, in China, because of the comparison, Pooh banned. Winnie gone. It may not be sports, but if you're banning Winnie the Pooh, you are the bozo of the day. <laughs> there you go. All right. The uh, Open Championship is coming up this week. On the side of the pond, we refer to it as the British Open. Uh, golf.com and writer, contributor, Golf Magazine, of which, I, yes, I am a subscriber, Jessica Marksbury joins us. Jessica, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to hear you're a subscriber. <laughs> I am very much so. Just got just got my issue this week as uh, last week as a matter of fact. With Ernie L's on the cover. Uh, yes. Awesome. All right. So uh, I want to start with uh, obviously the Open Championship is this week, and uh, this is Birkdale is a different course than the others in the Rota because. Of all the courses, this is the one where you have to be a little bit more accurate. The others you can scramble on and still do something because of, of, of uh, how it plays over there. Would that be accurate? Yes, I think you're you're exactly right there. And, in fact, um, one of our reporters who's on the ground this week, Josh Burhow, said exactly that. He said the first thing that struck him as he was walking around the property was the landing areas are very narrow off the tee. And certainly uh, from the pictures that he posted of the fescue, yeah. <laughs> it's going to rival that of Aaron Hill. <laughs> so you, definitely, <laughs> you definitely don't want to be left right of those fairways this week. No, but the other part, though, is that is that when you're accurate, as opposed to others, the place is flat. I mean, like I'm talking in the fairways, it is flat. There's not a lot of undulation in the fairways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, I, I would say, yeah, I think that's accurate as well. All right. Let's uh, let's get to a couple of issues dealing with uh, the schedule that they have. Uh, there's been some talk about moving the PGA uh, forward, the PGA Championship. What do you think of of some of the scheduling ideas that they're throwing around right now? I personally love that idea. Um, you know, the the PGA Championship has kind of suffered from the you know final major of the year syndrome, where there's so much excitement for the Masters, and then of course the U.S. Open is just the ultimate test, and people look forward to that, and everyone has a soft spot for the Open Championship, or as we say in America, the British Open. <laughs> um, you know, just because it's so it's so much fun to watch the players battle the elements overseas. And then the PTA Championship tends to be, you know, it can be a bit of a letdown. And of course, being in August, um, it has a lot of other sports to compete against. Um, you know, most notably, a, a lot of the football stuff that's kind of kicking off. So the the plan is kind of, all right, why don't we move the PGA Championship to March, uh, or excuse me, the Players' Championship to March and the PGA Championship to May? Um, I think that makes a lot of sense because then all of a sudden PGA Championship is number two in line. There's a lot more um, hype. Uh, you have the Masters, of course, in April. Then you can kind of cruise right into the PGA Championship in May, U.S. Open in June, British Open in July. I, I just I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's some talk also of 
shortening the PGA Tour season in general, um, because at this point, I think we have maybe three weeks of an off season (laughs) with the way that they've set up the new schedule. And, uh, you know, I think the thinking is, let's let people miss golf a little bit. It's okay to have maybe six weeks of an off season during the winter time and then come back with a bang in the new year. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with those ideas. It would, it would be a good change. So let's just let's try it for a year and see what happens. The players, of course, speak so highly of the Players' Championship. Should it be the fifth major? I don't think so. Interesting. No. I, I think it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great tournament the way it is. Um, but I think there's also, there's a lot of purists out there who just want there to be four major championships. That's the way it's always been. Uh, it's the way it should continue to be. Now, the LPGA, on the other hand, they have five major championships. Uh, I, I think some of the players had mixed feelings about that. Um, but, you know, I, a lot of that had to do with, with sponsorship money and kind of raising the profile of that tour. PGA Tour doesn't necessarily need that. Um, they already have loads of money. I think the Players' Championship purse matches the highest purse uh, from the U.S. Open for the year. So, you know, money's not an issue there. There's still plenty of prestige. If you win a Players' Championship, it, it, it's considered pretty much on par with a major championship if it's going to become the deciding factor of players who are going to get into the World Golf Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, it, they, they have their own thing going on there in Ponte Vedra, and, and it's good. I don't, I don't think it needs to change. Uh, you sat down did a piece uh, with Steve Stricker, uh, who just turned 50, and he's, one, he's the captain for the President's Cup. Uh, along the way, I have not had any interaction with him along the way. Everyone has said this might be one of the nicest individuals on the planet. Uh, <laughs> so you, you've been around him. What makes him maybe a little bit different maybe than some other people? Steve Stricker, it's true. I, in fact, I think I even referenced that in our in our interview, saying, you know, Steve, what makes you mad? Because you are just so lovely and friendly <laughs> and just have the nicest demeanor. You're just this, like, prototype of a lovely Midwestern person. Um, and I, I think his, his answer was something along the lines of, you know, I don't know why people think that. They don't know me, you know, trying to be funny. <laughs> but it's true. It, it, I mean, it's definitely true. And I think what it comes down to is the fact that he's just approachable. And, and, and he's... Uh, uh, he's very generous with his time. Um, you know, this day and age, when you go out on the driving range at a PGA Tour event, um, you've got guys that have, you know, maybe five, six people in their entourage. They have their TrackMan devices with them, and they're just kind of trying to get dialed in. And it, it can be hard to kind of penetrate that outer layer of protection, especially with the young guys. And you can tell when they have their interviews, they're always referring to themselves as we. Right. <laughs> yes. We had a great round today. And, you know, it's not just the caddy. It's it's their uh, their strength coach and their swing coach and their nutritionist. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. And their psychologist. Stricker is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Steve Stricker is just he's kind of an old school guy like that. He's just, you know, you'll you can find him out there. It might just be him. Yeah. You know, so his wife caddies for him a lot. He may just carry his own bag out there yeah. sometimes he's practicing. And so he's just very approachable. He's always been very nice, um, makes himself available to answer questions, and uh, and he remembers you, which, uh, you know, is, is I don't know, that, that creates a lot of goodwill. Yeah, <laughs> no, it does. The, yeah. No, it does, exactly right. You mentioned that his wife will caddy for him from time to time. The big news, of course, is the fact that Bones Mackay will not caddy for Phil Mickelson for the first time in 25 years, and not only that, he's going to go to the Golf Channel and NBC. So what what did you think of all that and how it played out? 
Well, it, it was very clear that the announcement was calculated. Uh, it's obviously something that they had been discussing and thinking about for quite some time. Uh, they had kind of the joint statements ready to go to release at the same time. And, you know, oh, gosh, what a great partnership they've had for so many years. Um, and, it's you know, Phil's getting older. hes I can't imagine that he's preparing for retirement, so to speak, but I'm sure they've had those conversations, you know, like where do we go from here? And, uh, uh, you know, so I think they did it in, in a really great way. It seemed very amicable, and um, certainly hearing some insights from Bones on TV is going to be a huge boon for golf fans. That's very cool. He's always been one of the more kind of introspective and interesting uh, guys with commentary uh, from a media perspective for the guys that could manage to get an interview with him. It was kind of a coveted thing because he always had a lot of great insights and things to say. So now that the world at large will get to hear more from Bones, uh, I, I think that's very cool. And who knows? I, I think, you know, Phil might be the one that, that is going to struggle to kind of uh, get back to back to his Phil self yeah. <laughs> without without bones on the bat. I think he might be the one that got the short end of the stick on this because that can be very tough recreating that perfect player-caddy relationship with someone new. How interesting will it be for you, Jessica, to hear the insights of someone who walks so many courses? One thing for a player to walk a course and tell you what they think here and here. A caddy has a little different perspective and they probably have walked it off more than the pro has. So how interesting is that going to be to his to hear his perspective as long as he can pull it off. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be great for him because from the player we know they can tell you, well, this is what I would do. And I, I think a caddy can say, this is what any player should do. You know what I mean? So right. it's, it's, you kind of, you get that whole perspective of um, the right way to play the hole. Certainly, uh, they're mathematicians, math wizards. <laughs> I, yeah. think they, uh, I think players are so dependent on their, their caddies to make those calculations quickly in their head. Um, and we often take for granted just how difficult that is. I know Dustin Johnson has joked before about how his brother, Austin, who's on the bag i mean he gets the numbers wrong sometimes and and dustin often knows it and he gives him a hard time about it like come on man like <laughs> let's do some adding together you know <laughs> but um yeah it's it is really fascinating when you can hear the insight from someone who has literally walked you know step by step uh, you know walked off the yardage on the fairways they know the contouring of the greens and they can pinpoint uh, exactly where an approach shot needs to be and where the fall-offs are and and uh, they know to the yard just how far their player can can max out on any particular club. So, uh, you know, uh, that type of thing. If you're if you're kind of in that in golf nerd atmosphere, <laughs> <laughs> it can be very very entertaining. So, and and Bones has a great personality. He's he's going to be very well suited for the job. Uh, when you played at Columbia. What was a, what were a couple of the more interesting places that you played and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, let's see. We uh, we headed down. I remember we played the Elon Invitational a couple of years in a row. Yeah. And uh, so we got to be down south in I want to say Calabash area. Okay. And that was it. That was. Um, 
fun for us because we I, re, I just remember being introduced to my first hush puppy and it was <laughs> love at first sight for me <laughs> love at first taste i guess i should yes. say that's one of the, yeah. that's one of the lasting memories for me there um but i have to say really it, if i think back on some of the really cool experiences that we've had our spring break trips were um they each year they kind of started to to one up the other and by my senior year we uh, were heading to hawaii for our spring break um our coach at the time had lived in Nai for a good gate and so she had a lot of connections um out in oahu so uh, we had some great experiences there but i have to say i still follow the team on twitter and instagram and i've noticed since i've graduated they've gone on to play pebble and cypress <laughs> and you know those uh, those are not experiences that we had during my tenure there so um, yeah. i'm so i'm glad to see that though and uh, the program is is really thriving at the moment. So as an alum, um, it makes me very proud. I know how you feel in some ways because my, my broadcast partner for football, Jack Ham, so I'll, I'll get a phone call. Guess where I am? I'm like, oh. Right, and it'll, I'm at Whistling Straits. I'm like, well, great. Well, it was. What good does that do me? I'm sitting here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thanks a lot. Yeah, great appreciate to hear. that. Enjoy. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. You do great work. Really enjoy all all the stuff that you do. And thanks so much for giving us some time today. I really appreciated it. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Jessica Marksbury, golf.com, golf magazine. We'll come back, wrap up the show in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. If you're not insured with the Purdy Insurance Agency, you may not be getting the most out of your insurance coverage. Locally owned and family operated for over 90 years, the experienced team at Purdy will compare your rates and coverage among a number of nationally recognized insurers to make sure you're getting the most out of your insurance dollars. And once you join the Purdy family of customers, you'll experience service and claims handling that's second to none. Call 1-800-677-2478 to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And uh, we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, uh, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. When Penn State plays in the Legends Classic, they will once again play Pitt. And that's going to be the second game of the doubleheader that night. The opening game of the doubleheader is going to be Texas A&M, Oklahoma State. 
and Penn State will then play one or the other on Tuesday the 21st of November. Consolation games at 3.30 and the championship game is at 5.30 or 6, whatever they want to pick for a number. Maybe realistically it's at 6. Some of these tournaments do this where they sit there and say, and the games are at 3.30 and 5.30. (laughs) Excuse me. First game's going to take two hours. You got twenty five minutes to warm up. You're not going to be. <laughs> you, know, you try to let them know, like you know, you're not really being realistic here. Uh, but that is the uh, situation for that tournament. They, get, they will definitely get pit for the second straight year. And. That'll be at the Barclays, the home of the Nets. Uh, we're, I was talking earlier about uh, when when the sanctions came down five years ago. Number one, three, three and a half weeks before it happened. There is no way on the planet, I thought... They were going to get sanctioned. In fact, I felt after spring football, based on the talent they had back, new system which they adapted to pretty well, that they had a chance to win the division. I I, I felt that. In fact, you, if, I'm sure people remember me on the show that spring, 2012, saying that look, this this team's good enough to win the division. Well, then, about three and a half weeks before, I started hearing rumblings. Hey, look, uh, they're in big trouble. It's in big trouble for, you know, it's in big trouble legally, but they didn't break any rules. No, the NCAA wants to do something. I said, oh, brother. And when they put the sanctions down, no bowl game for four years. The rollback to 65 scholarships, no more than 15 per year. But the big one to me, in terms of immediate impact, was everyone was allowed to transfer immediately if they wanted to without penalty. They didn't have to sit out a year. And it turned this into, literally turned this campus into a meat market. It was appalling. I don't know if it was an unintended consequence. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. But everyone descended on this place like locusts. They were going to pick this carcass clean. And, of course, we all know what what Michael Motti and Michael Zordich did, along with Bill O'Brien and Craig Fitzgerald and so forth, to keep it together. And after losing the first two games, they they went 8-2 to the final 10. And that was a tribute in in two parts, a tribute to the backbone of the program, the personality of Bill O'Brien, and also to the actually the caliber of athlete and player that Joe Paterno and his staff had recruited and left them. I mean, all the people that contributed that particular year, they weren't recruited by Bill's staff, they were recruited by Joe's staff. And then after that, it was a matter of survival. 
But believe me, there are reasons why the NCAA, for the first and only time in its history, had givebacks on scholarships and also on bowl games. I think that's a statement unto itself. Why would they do that? Ask yourself. And now, the conversation in this particular summer, five years later, is exponentially different. It's a great feeling. We are your home for the Philadelphia Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.